Good morning, everybody. Glad to see all of you here today. I'm going to ask the ushers to come forward. We're going to receive our morning tithes and offerings. And so let's, uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness towards us, that the scriptures remind us that your mercy is new every single morning. Today, when we woke up, there was new morning, uh, new mercy shining from heaven on our lives, and we're so thankful for that. So I pray, Lord, you receive our sacrifice to you, that it would be a sweet-smelling savor in your nostrils, and I pray that you'd bless the gift and the giver as well. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you as you give. So um, I invited somebody to church this week. I told you I was always going to invite somebody to church this week. Sue? You invited three people. Bruce? Two? Roland, right in one. Nancy? Two? Mine it? A lot. You were putting things all over the place. Yeah, in the back? Four? You invited four people? What was over here? I missed some hands over here. Paya? Two? John, one? And he's here. Wonderful. That's awesome. Celeste? One? Wow, that's awesome. Keep it up. That's awesome. Every week, listen, I told you I'm going to get behind this pulpit every single week, and I'm going to tell you I've invited somebody to church. I'm not going to stop doing that. And you guys are really grabbing the mantle and running with it. So that's totally, totally awesome. Very psyched. Well, we have Evangelist Greg Hubbard with us, and I don't want to take any of his time away from him because I know he's got a word from God for us. So open your hearts, your minds, your spirits, and let the Lord really minister to you today. Greg, why don't you come and share what God's laid on your heart? And we're excited. We're ready for you, man. Start down here. Thank you so much, Pastor Ken. How many got blessed during that worship time? Come on, that was amazing. And uh, what a what a joy to be back in Raymond. I think it was 11 years ago, I think, whatever. I'm excited. I've got one new sermon since then. I'm all excited about that. And I've been studying hard these last 11 years. And But what a joy to be back here in Raymond and uh, in the sense God's presence in this place. And, you know, it's amazing. We, we know all that's happened in the world the last couple of years or whatever, and people trying to get momentum back and whatever. How many glad you're in a place where vision just is over, is, is flooding this place in this church family? Amen. Uh, you know, I, I, just before the service, I was talking to Pastor Ken, and, and the first five minutes talking with him, I got saved five times during that conversation. And um, I, I, I recommitted. I felt a fresh call to ministry. I want to join this church, whatever. And um, But what, what a, I mean, the excitement and the vision for what God is doing. People often ask us, because we're in a different place. We just got back from Romania, so Romania to Raymond. And, um, but people ask us, you know, what is the difference from church to church? And it's really easy. It's whether or not there's vision in the place. And, um, you know, it's not about the different songs or the whatever, even geographic, but it's vision. Because where there isn't vision, the Bible says, a death sets in. But where there's vision, there's life in the house. And I sense life in this place. And uh, first time meeting our brother Seth, my word, while I leaned over to Robin, I said, what an anointing upon that young man. And uh, I mean, my goodness. And uh, he sang all the songs he sang are songs that I personally wrote, which touched me deeply. And, um, you know, I just, I've written many of the great hymns as well, so I give God all the glory, but, but we are so thrilled to be here this week, and believe in God to move this morning and tonight, and then Monday and Tuesday, and I want to give the, you to give the devil a heart attack. Some people, not you, but some people are not aware that Jesus is alive on Monday nights. He's alive on Sunday nights. Nowadays, some folks aren't sure he's alive on Sunday morning, but that's a, a different sermon. But he's alive on Sunday nights and Monday and Tuesday. 
I got a friend, a, a good buddy of mine. I know what he meant, but he said to me, he's a pastor for uh, over 30 some years, but he said, great. He said, come on, in our culture, he said, the off nights, the people to come to church on the off nights. And I know what he meant by that, whatever, but really God never has an off night. He's healing. On, we're going to believe God for miracles of healing tomorrow night. We're going to have a great healing service. We believe God to heal the sick and to touch people, to put broken bodies back together again, broken hearts, broken dreams. And so every time we're together, if you're in the mood for bad news, you probably don't want to come. And um, But if you're in, in the mood for good news, we're believing God to move every single service. Amen. So Robin's going to come and sing. Now, we haven't been in a while, so it's a little bit different. She sang last time, but now it's more of a hip-hop or rap. Is that going to work okay here? And uh, so she's going to bust I'm going to kill you, but uh, whatever. But we're gonna, I'm going to pray. Robin's going to come and sing, and I want you to open your heart and say, God, I am wide open for whatever you want to do in this place this morning. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the honor to be back in Raymond. Thank you for Pastor Ken, Darlene. Thank you for their amazing spirits and, and, and their love for you and for your people and their, their kindness and warmth. And I thank you, Lord God, for, for the friendly people we've met, for Sandy and for so many others, Lord Dottie out front. I just thank you for a friendly church. And I pray this morning, we remind ourselves again that, Lord, we don't know how to do this. Without your touch, Lord, we, we need your touch. And for fresh anointing, thank you for what you did last week in Romania, the last couple of weeks. But, Lord, now in Raymond, would you open the heavens over this house? I pray for salvation. I pray for miracles. I pray there be people that literally stagger out of these services, overcome by your love and your goodness. So, God, anoint every invitation for friends and family and loved ones. And thank you for the culture in the church of being bringers, of inviting people, and not because we have good news to share. So we just surrender to you. I know my bride this morning, Father, I pray, give her your touch. I pray, bless this service, and we'll give you all the thanks, all the praise, all the glory in Jesus' name, and everyone said together, come on, amen. Amen. You know, for the next three days, we're going to look at it and intentionally, exclusively focus on the book of Esther. The next three, I'm only kidding you. And uh, I, I knew that would get a laugh. I knew that was going to work this morning. And uh, I've been following you guys. And uh, man, you're, I wouldn't go near, your pastor's been nailing that, the messages. I'd be afraid to go near that this morning. I wouldn't go near the book of Esther this morning. I want to tell you right now, but uh, what, what great messages and, and, um, and, and just last week, what a great word and even talking about our nation, the condition, some of the things that your pastor shared. I'm going to maybe mention a little bit this morning, but, but I, I'm grateful for uh, your pastor, a Bible preacher of the word of God. And uh, the Bible, the Bible is still more relevant than tomorrow morning's newspaper. And so I'm grateful for that. So we may not get to the book of Esther this week. I, I think your pastor's covering that pretty well. Can I get a big amen? But we will look at the book of Genesis this morning. If you have a Bible, I know most of you have the book of Genesis all memorized. That's very impressive. But Genesis chapter 6, going to begin at verse number 9. And I'm going to read a rather a, a big chunk here of scripture. So please bear with me. And th there's a reason why I'm going to read even some of the verses. You wonder why is he reading this? And th there's a reason. It's all God's word for one. But Genesis chapter 6, beginning at verse 9, we're going to read right on through to the end of the book of Revelations. We have to get moving. 
And um, only people that laughed were those that thought it was funny and those that actually know their Bible. But Genesis chapter 6, looking at verse 9, here's what the word says in a gorgeous Sunday morning in Raymond, New Hampshire. It goes like this. Genesis 6, 9. This is the kind of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man. The only blame is person living on earth at that time. And he walked in close fellowship with God. Noah was the father of three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now God saw the earth become corrupt and was filled with violence. And God observed all this corruption in the world for everyone on earth was corrupt. So God said to Noah, I decided to destroy all living creatures for they have filled the earth with violence. Yes, I'll wipe them all out along with the earth. These next few words are pretty big. Build a large boat from cypress wood, waterproof with tar inside and out. Then construct decks and stalls throughout its interior. Make the boat 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, and 45 feet high. Leave an 18-inch opening below the roof all the way around the boat. Put the door on the side and build three decks inside, uh, lower, middle, and upper. Look, I'm about to cover the earth with a flood that will destroy every living thing that breathes. Everything on earth will die, but I'll confirm my covenant with you. So enter the boat. You and your wife and your sons and their wives bring a pair of every kind of animal, a male and a female, into the boat and, and, and with you to keep them alive during the flood. A pair of every kind of bird and every kind of animal and every kind of small animal that scurries along the ground. This is going to be a miracle. It says will come to you to be kept alive. You don't think that's a miracle? Try petting the nearest squirrel in your backyard. It says, and be sure to take on board enough food for your family uh, and for all the animals. So Noah did everything exactly as God commanded him. Then Genesis chapter 7, verse 21. All the living things on earth died, birds, domestic animals, wild animals, small animals, that scurried on the ground, and all the people. Everything that breathed and lived on dry land died. God wiped out every living thing on the earth, people, livestock, small animals, that scurry along the ground and the birds of the sky, all were destroyed. The only people who survived, it says the only people who survived were Noah and those with him in the boat. One more passage, Luke 17, 26. When the Son of Man returns, it will be like it was in Noah's day. In those days, people were enjoying banquets and parties and, and weddings. Remember the time that Noah entered the boat and the flood came and destroyed them all. Uh, you know, I, I didn't grow up in the church. I'm grateful for those that may be in the room. That's a great I grew up in the church and kids' church. Whenever Robin grew up in the church, matter of fact, we attended a, 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 her best friend's mom went to be the Lord, and we went to the, the viewing yesterday in Portland, Maine, and and, uh, and and there was her friend and family and loved ones and that Robin grew up with in Portland, Maine. So Robin's a church kid. And uh, I was 17 when I accepted Jesus. I went to church at 17 for one reason and more reason alone, a girl asking me to go. I remember I'm in high school, and a girl said, I'm a believer. You want to come to church? I said, I'll go wherever you want me to go, is what I said. I, I sacked my family, put on some of my dad's cologne. Somebody say, thank God for Old Spice cologne right now. And uh, I wasn't a believer, but I immersed myself, a full, full immersion in Old Spice, went to church in Springfield, Massachusetts. 
I sat in the balcony in Springfield at Bethany Assembly of God. Now when I go on near Six Flags, and that night I got blasted by the love of God. I did not get saved that night. I got saved that night. I mean, Jesus changed my life. And so, again, so as a 17-year-old, it was all so new. And if someone said to me at 16, you know, about Noah, I might have heard about him, but not like Robin. Most folks have heard about Noah in the ark. And you tell the story of Noah in the ark. And even those in New Hampshire that may have never been inside of a church, I've heard about Noah in the ark in, in some measure in, or, or some, in some setting. And for many people, I get it. It's, it's cutesy. It's kind of fun. It's, it's nice. It's, it's Noah. Come on. It's the, it's the panda bears coming. It's the chipmunks coming in. And the lions and tigers and bears. I love this church. I love this church. So we tell the kids, you tell a kid the story, uh, and you make it light and funny that the rabbits come hopping in, and male and female, and they come or whatever, and every squirrel, every bird, every all the uh, you know, you know all the animals, whatever, and we make it light, we make it kind of cute, whatever, and, and I get all that. Well, but I want to say this, and the truth of it, there's nothing actually cute about Noah in the ark. It's when God says, you know what, I've had enough. And God says, I'm going to wipe things out, every person, every animal, it's over. And so we're looking at this guy Noah that that built the boat, and we're going to look at three quick things. The first one we're going to look at is the days of Noah, because it says in in Luke chapter 17, uh, the words of Jesus, Jesus says, when I come back, when I come back to take my people home from New Hampshire, it will be just like it was in the days of Noah. So listen, we're not just living in the last days. I believe in the last moments. Jesus is, is or Gabriel rather, is smacking his lips ready to blow that trumpet. Jesus will soon get the nod from the Father and give a shout. Jesus is about to come back. And so we're living in the days of Noah right now. And the parallels of the days of Noah are pretty amazing. And your pastor shared some things happening in our nation. One parallel is multiplication of people. And imagine 2000, there were some 6 billion people on the planet. 20 years later, over 7.5 billion people on the planet were living in the days of Noah right now. Not just multiplication of people, but moral corruption. Are you kidding me? We're living in the days of Noah right now. But once made America bless, now America applauds. It says in Genesis how God observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth, and he saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. That, that's where we are. Uh, we're, we're telling children, you can choose your gender. My, my heart breaks for anyone that may be in this room that's struggling with your gender. I mean that sincerely. Uh, we're, not, we're not called to bash people and smash people, but it is the goodness of God that brings people to repentance. And my heart is certainly broken for anybody that, that's maybe been so attacked by the enemy and culture that you're wondering whether or not you're male or you're female. Let me say this. When God made you, God did not make a mistake when God made you. We are the clay and God is the potter. 
But now in America, I, I remember reading of a 56-year-old man uh, that now identifying as a woman playing college basketball at a college university in America for the woman's state. Truth has fallen in the streets where everyone does what's right in their own eyes. So we don't need to believe the abortion issue and, and what's happening in our nation and the moral corruption. It is absolutely off the charts. And anyone you talk to will say this. There's been an acceleration with this. Uh, where it's getting worse and worse and worse. But remember, the darker it gets, the brighter the light of Jesus is going to shine in these last days. So more corruption. We're living in the days of Noah. There's violence everywhere. It says in Genesis 6, 11, he saw the earth become corrupt and was filled with violence. I, I, don't, I don't know how anybody anymore can watch the evening news and then go right to bed. I'm not sure how that works anymore. Because all the violence has before, we were never made wired to be able to handle all the information that's now at our fingertips. I remember years ago, I was a, a faithful, faithful USA Today newspaper reader uh, because I, I love sports. I'm a sport. You cut me, I bleed Boston Sota Green. Yes, I do. And um, yes, I do. And um, Lord, please help Jason Tatum. But, and that's a, diff that's a different term, a different sermon. And uh, I'm, I'm a Red Sox fan, which means I'm kind of an idiot, but I'm a Red Sox fan. And uh, But what are you going to do? You are who you are. And uh, we, we look at this, and it, it, it used to be just, I used to read the paper for sports, but, but, but now uh, tomorrow's newspaper is late news. Because if it's Mason as in a click of the finger, uh, we just got back from media. We're not hearing anything right now what's happening in Ukraine. Let me tell you, the war is still ravaging that nation. Uh, we, we, have, we bought two homes in Romania, or ministry, I should say, uh, uh, for the older orphanage that we have in Romania. And uh, for the older kids, the, the two homes are now filled with Ukrainian refugees and, and the violence. The, the lives are never going to be the same, church. And, and so we see this, the burning of our cities and the, and the murders. And the, uh, it was put on the news the last few days that that, fellow, that, that convicted felon that, that cold punched somebody in, in the city for no reason. And now they're in a coma or the fractures go. Violence has filled the earth everywhere. We're living in the days of Noah right now, church. And so when you read about the scripture about Noah and the ark, I get it, the animals, the bunny rabbits, the panda bears, the, you know, the, 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 the giraffes are walking toward the ark or whatever. This is actually a pretty good invitation, actually. And, and uh, you've got the, the, the elephants are coming, whatever, whatever. And, uh, but Noah's ark speaks to us that Jesus is about to return. Jesus is coming back again. That's so when I'm in a church, and I don't remember the last time this ever happened. I honestly can't. Uh, when a pastor get up and ask who invited people, I'm, I can't remember. I'm not, I'm not cast dispersionally to other churches, whatever. But I'm in a place where there's been a vision cast. We have to win people, man. There's a world that's lost, and we're living in the days of Noah, which teaches us that Jesus Christ is about to come back at absolutely any moment. That's the days of Noah. But then there's a decision that Noah made. Because up until now, he made a decision to live righteous and blameless and faithful. But when God speaks to Noah to build a large boat, he now makes a decision, I'm going to be obedient. And, and Noah builds what's known as Noah's Ark. And uh, in the building of the Ark, we're given a beautiful picture of the beauty of the person of Jesus Christ. 
I remember reading about a woman and her husband dinner was served in their home that night. And they were taking care of kitchen things. And they had a nine-year-old daughter. She was at the kitchen table, crayons all over, piece of paper. And she was working so feverishly on something. So mom wrote, she turned around and looked at her daughter. And said, baby, what are you doing? So her daughter never looked up. But her daughter said, mom, I'm drawing a picture of God. The mother stopped her and said, baby, you can't do that. Because no one knows what God looks like. She stopped, thought for a second. She said, Mom, don't worry. So nobody looks like when I get done drawing the picture of him. When Noah built the ark, he gave us a picture of the beauty of the person of Jesus Christ. Everything the ark was to Noah, Jesus Christ is for every person breathing in this room. And uh, it's great. What, what do you mean that the decision of Noah, when he built that ark as a, as a type of Jesus, some simple lessons on the building of the ark. The first one, the building of the ark, we're talking the decision of Noah to obey the Lord. It was a perfectly timed place of refuge. God said, you know what, new life, Raymond? I've had enough. So I'm going to find some righteous people. I'm going to have a big boat built, and they'll survive. But with the rest of the people, the boat was built at just the right time. If you study your Bible, God has an amazing track record of saving people at just the right time. Robin was nine years of age. Robin got saved at just the right time. I was 17 when I got saved. I got saved at just the the right time. The moment you accepted Jesus as Savior, how many are glad that when God saves you, God saves you at just the right time? Someone say a big amen. Come on. Romans 5, 6 says this. Well, we were utterly helpless. Christ came at just the right time and died for our sinners. I love 1 Timothy 2, 6. Hey, if, by the way, if you're a note taker, give me your email, which I'll send you my notes for a small fee, of course. But I'll send you my, I'm only kidding, but I'll send you my notes, whatever. But Romans 5, or 1 Timothy 2, 6, he gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. This is the message God gave to the world, here it comes, at just the right time. I, I love 2 Corinthians 6, verse 1 to 2. As God's partners, we beg you not to accept this marvelous gift of God's kindness, and then ignore it. For God says at just the right time, I heard you. On their salvation, I helped you. Indeed, the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. When God saves somebody, he saves somebody at just the right time. I mentioned we're New Englanders. That's why it's just coming up north again. Just we feel like we're home. We come up the border or whatever. And beautiful New Robins from Maine. I mentioned Massachusetts. And we're in Vermont recently. And right before Romania, we love New England. And and uh, and, and glad that God's saving people in New England. He, when he saves people at just the right time in New England as much as he does in Romania. Amen. We were in a church in Boston years ago outside Boston, Massachusetts, and a guy walked up after the service, and uh, we'll call him, you, you live stream, I think, don't you? We'll call him Kevin. His name is actually Kevin, by the way. And um, and Kevin came up to me after church and said, Brother Greg, he says, I want to tell you, he said, Jesus changed my life. I said, Kevin, that's amazing. And I, I love testimonies. I'll take a good testimony over gossip any day of the week. How about you? And so I said, Kevin, how did you come to know Jesus? And he said, man, he says, I was a crack addict for years. 
He said, my, my family, they, they stuck with me. They prayed, and I did well for a while, but then I'd fall back into the, the clutches of crack cocaine. And he said, when I go on those bad binges, I'd end up in crack houses, abandoned homes, and uh, dirty couches, and syringes, and drug paraphernalia, or strangers. And I, I'd be there for days at a time, strung out on crack. And he said, it was a Friday night. I was on a binge. I was doing well for a while, but I, I just fell and back in the crack. And it was, it was a Friday night. I'm in a, some abandoned house in Boston. And he still was a Friday night, a Friday evening. He says, I'm lying on some filthy couch. And he said, I heard a voice. He said, that wasn't unusual. He said, I've heard many, I've been on crack. I've heard lots of voices. But the voice said, Kevin, get up. I said, Kevin, what did you do? He says, I got up. He said, I sat up, and, and the voice said, now, Kevin, walk to the front door of the house. Kevin, walk to the front door of the house. The voice said, now, Kevin, there's steps in front of you. Walk down the front steps. Kevin, walked, I, did, I walked out. I walked, and, and there was another voice. The voice says, Kevin, there's a, a sidewalk. You walk out. The side, Kevin, stand on the sidewalk and take an immediate right turn. Stop for a second. Uh, you know what? What I read a moment ago about the arc and, you know, the 18-inch pitch and the roof and how high and how wide. Why, why did not? Why read those details? Because when God saves somebody, God is always in the details. You so much matter to God. God cares about you so much that God is in the details of your daily affairs. Even when you don't see it. And so the voice kept speaking to Kevin. So Kevin says, and the voice said, then the voice said, now when you take that right turn, walk down the street and get the corner of a big intersection. And the voice said, Kevin, once you get the intersection, stay there and do not move. Kevin says, I get up, Greg, and I walked out of the house. I walked down the stairs. I got the sidewalk. I took the right turn. I walked on the corner. And the moment he said he got in the corner, there was a group of young men and workers from a Boston area team challenge out ministering on a Friday night. He said, we collided. We met on the corner of that street. He said, on that corner, the power of Jesus set me free. On the corner of that street, the chains I tried to shake off myself for years, they fell off me because the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. He went on for team challenge and treatment. Now he's involved in planning a church. He said, on a Friday night, Jesus, save my soul. And if Kevin could walk in that door this morning, I think he might say to somebody breathing in the room, I didn't just get saved. But on a Friday night, God rescued me at just the right time. In Zimbabwe, Africa, we go back to Africa in a couple of weeks, three weeks, I think it is, for we have Festival of Hope Crusades that are playing churches and two different prowls. I'll share some more about that tonight, maybe. And But we love Africa. And Zimbabwe is hungry for Jesus. Our last crusade there, or we call them the festivals now, before COVID hit, uh, we, have the, we have the big outreach for days, whatever. And then the first Sunday, we plant the new church, the new Christians, whatever. And the, the, they give testimonies. And that first Sunday morning is always wonderful. But one woman got up at this first uh, service for the last church we planted in Zimbabwe, and she said, I never attended one of the festival meetings. She said, when I saw the flyers and saw it on, heard on radio, when I, when I saw the promotion, she said, I told my husband, she said, I said, I am not going to attend one of those outdoor services. And she kept her, she didn't come to one of them. She said, I, I refuse to go to one. 
Uh, but we have some big speakers, whatever you can. You, we have the service in Zimbabwe, but you can hear us in Pocatello, Idaho. I'm telling you right now. And uh, she shared this. She said, I was outside my, her home as a mud hut, a thatched roof and mud floors, outdoor hole in the ground bathroom, cooking. Oh, she, I was cooking dinner for my family, which means cooking salsa, like a thicker, uh, like cream of wheat. And I was cooking dinner one evening, and I tried to escape it, but I couldn't. I heard about a Jesus that loves me and cares about me and how he died upon the cross. And she kept going on about Jesus, Jesus. She says, I did not accept Christ at your meetings, but I accepted Jesus by a fire in front of my house. She's now a leading, faithful member of that church. Greg, what are you saying? I'm saying that when God rescues somebody, he saves somebody at just the right time. There could be somebody breathing in this room this morning, and God's saying to you, today is just the right time for you. The Bible never says that tomorrow is the day. The Bible always says that today is the day of salvation. This isn't just the, uh, the, the, uh, the, the, the God's timing, but it is the right time. It's God's timing. You can be breathed. I'm not talking being Catholic or Protestant or Lutheran or Baptist or vegan or a Yankee fan or a Red Sox fan. I'm talking becoming a follower of Jesus Christ. You can join every church in Hampshire and still die and go to hell by 2 o'clock this afternoon. I'm talking about being a follower of Jesus. I'm talking accepting Jesus and repenting of sin. We've all blown it. We've all screwed up, church. We've all sinned, but Jesus paid the price on the cross for your sins. Wouldn't it be amazing for someone to walk out of their car this morning and say, can you believe it? I, what, I, I'm going to church on a gorgeous summer day. Your summers in, in New England last, what, a couple of days? It's a, it's, it's, it's a great day for Sebago Lake right now. Come on. But you're sitting in church on a Sunday morning. And maybe God's saying to you, today is the right time for you. So when Noah built the ark, it wasn't just built at the right time. It was a God-provided refuge. What does that mean? It wasn't Noah saying, hey, God, could you wake up? we got to get together and build something to save a few people. The ark was God's idea. If the ark was God's idea, the cross was also God's idea, not ours. Genesis 6, 14, so make yourself an ark. It was God speaking to Noah. Of course, 1 John 4, 10, this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and set his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. We can try and try and try and do nothing to ever save ourselves. Listen, we love, love Romania and India and different places and India more than most places that we go to. People there, religious, I mean good people, I mean wonderful people. We often go, and uh, we'll mention more, we have a camp every October for kids born out of trafficking, but it's also during what's called the Puja Festival. And that's when the nation worships a demon spirit. And we've been on a plane from Newark to Calcutta, India, with people from America going to India to worship a demon spirit. I'm telling you right now, millions converged in Calcutta. And they were the festival of lights, they call it. But what the people do is they build, they build the art, these idols. And at the end of the festival, I, I've, we've seen this with our own eyes. They take their, 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 their man-made idols and they bring them down to the river and they throw them in the river. They baptize them in the river and they scream and they, and they beat their chest and they hope that their ark now baptized will bring them good favor in the year to come. These are a wonderful people. 
but believing darkness and, and lies and all these things in, and, and they're trying to, to make their own way to heaven. That's why the word says in Ephesians, it's not by works, lest any man should boast. And this issue goes far back to the Garden of Eden. When Adam and Eve sinned and, and fell into sin and they hide behind the bushes and and uh, and they take some leaves and make a covering and, and God says, "Look at uh, your coverings will not get the job done." So God had an animal killed, blood was shed, and God made a covering to over for Adam and Eve. what they could not do for themselves. God provided a covering for Adam and Eve, and that's why you can't save yourself. There's nothing you can do to save your eternal soul. But God loved you so much, I love Romans, that while we were yet sinners, he demonstrated his love for us on the cross. That means before you ever God gave God the time of day, God said, I see you, and I love you, and I know you. Uh, before you ever thought about God, God thought about you. You know, Robert and I, we celebrated last year our 40th year of marriage. We're newlyweds. We're in our 41st year. 41st year, are you, you're taping, are you taping? My mother-in-law is a wonderful woman. Okay. Okay, Greg, what's that got to do with the message? Nothing at all. I'm just, I'm just not stupid. That's what that means. I, I got a great mother-in-law. But, 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 you know, 41 years and, and, uh, and just in, in all that we, I remember the wedding and just, we, we sang a duet together. That was a train wreck for me. Robin sang beautiful, but man, I got kind of cocky and tried to harmonize and the wheels fell off the train. You know what I'm talking about? It was awful uh, on my part of it, but, but got married and until death that we part and love each pledge are about whatever. And you, can you imagine all those years, if there wasn't one demonstration of love between then and now, that marriage will never last. There's someone breathing in the room today that needs to know this, that God loves you on your worst day. He loves you when you stop loving yourself. He loves you when people have given up on you. We're going to be shocked one day when we get to heaven, my friend, who's there, who's not there. Maybe we'll be shocked that we're there. I don't know. I hope we can, we, we can know that we know. But there could be somebody breathing in this room or somebody watching on live right now that says, Greg, you can preach, sweat, spit, do your deal. You've got no idea of the things I've committed. I'm not minimizing your sin, but I magnify the power of the love of God for your life. And, and you this morning could, could make a fist and wave it at God with anger and defiance and march out to your car and say, man, that, that man, I don't buy that junk or whatever. And you can just walk out the fight that will break God's heart will break God. But I got news for you. The love of God is going to tiptoe right behind you all the way to your car because God never gives up on anybody. It was a perfectly timed refuge. It was a God-provided refuge. In 2,000 years ago, we go to Israel, lead some tours there, and people say, what's your favorite place in Israel? Oh, my gosh, that's a tough one. There's so many amazing, I mean, floating on the Sea of Galilee, walk, floating on water, Jesus walked on, whatever. And, uh, and Mount Carmel, I, I mean, Gethsemane, but there's nothing like that hill outside Jerusalem called Golgotha. You look on that hill, the place of the skulls, and think, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, he suffered, was butchered, was beaten, and nailed to a tree, all because he loves me. There's somebody breathing in this room, and God wants you to hear it again. He'll never stop loving you. He'll never stop pursuing you.
the ark was a God-provided way of salvation for Noah and his family. And the cross was God's idea to save every, my prayer that all of Raymond would be washed in the blood of Jesus. Well, Greg, what do you mean by that churchy statement that all of Raymond will come to know that God sent his son to die on that cross? He could have called thousands of angels. Why weren't they there? They were involved in his birth. They were involved in the transfiguration. They were involved in the in his water baptism. They were involved in his resurrection. Where were the angels at the cross? My friend, they weren't there because he knew there could not be any interruption. Jesus knew I have to shed my blood and die on this tree that Raymond Rehantra could be saved in the eternal life in heaven forever and ever and ever. Can someone say a big amen? It was God provided. It was at the right time, but we're almost done. How about this? When he built the ark, it was the only refuge. That, that was it. it. It wasn't God saying to no, no, you know what? I got a lot of people down there in New Hampshire. In the summertime, the population swells and uh, the vacation is coming. Listen, I, I, I need you to build me 12 large boats. That's not what God said. The Lord did not say, look, at no, we got, we got issues. And, and uh, look, at, listen, a lot of people, I want you to build me like six. Listen, he said, build me one large boat. Just one boat, but make it a big one. I like that. Because God wants none to perish, but all to come to repentance. This isn't the time to have a small boat mentality in the church. Let's get a big boat mentality. Last night I was checking the sports news and was getting get to ESPN to get the news to see if the Red Sox won. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. But, but um, and, uh, and, and, um, and, and then the movie Jaws. Jaws is always a picker-upper. Isn't that a picker-upper? I see that and I, just, I get out of there because I don't want to bump, 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 bump. I don't need that, okay, on a Sunday, Saturday night. But the classic, classic line in Jaws, we're going to need a bigger boat. So you were so quick with that, it scared me, to be honest with you. <laughs> Just kidding. You. We're going to need it. I pray that the talk at New Life and Raymond is we're going to need a bigger boat. The kids getting saved, the young people getting saved, the moms and dads coming, the entire family, entire streets being covered by the blood of Jesus, for sin forgiven. We're going to need a bigger boat. It was the only refuge. And this is what really is, is, a, is a, what, what blesses us, I hope, about the fact that Christ is the only refuge. That's a stumbling block for many, many other people. They don't like Acts 4.12. Salvation is found in no one else. But there's no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. And of course, John 14, 6, I am the way, I am the truth. No one come to the Father except in me. So the, the bottom line, Jesus is the only way to. There's only one boat. And again, I know that that flies in the face of one famous talk show. So I'm not going to mention their name, whatever. But, but they said on national television, they said, if you believe that Jesus is the only what happened, they said, you're a fool. Well, I'm sorry, but you got a fool within the next three days. I believe there's no other way to the Father, no other way to heaven, but through the person of Jesus Christ, the Son of Almighty God. And that is sin. Listen, when I go to India, I don't bash Hindu gods. I don't make fun of their gods. I go lift up a name that's above every other name. There's still power in the name of Jesus Christ. And so this whole idea, Greg, the boat, the boat, he only built one boat. 
But we stood in front of that casket yesterday looking at Norma Anderson and now her body there, but her spirit in the presence of Jesus forever and forever and forever. When they're at funerals today at three, when they're having potato salad and iced tea talking about Norma, what a great woman she was, and a great mom, and a great grandma, and she was all those things. And, and they're talking about, remember this, and you know, sweetness of the memories that can soften the, the sorrow, even with the hope of heaven. There's still that, 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 that sense of loss and the reality. It's, it, they've left this, what we have known, so it's harder. But, but Norma is doing very well this morning, church. Norma's having a good morning. She's up there with, she's up there now with Shadrach, Meshach, and away we go. She's up there right now in heaven for um, how many cannot wait to get to heaven? Come on. The only way to get there is through Jesus Christ, the Son. I'm going to end with this. Pastor Ken said, I said, what about the first service? He said, try to end the first service by three. I can't go that long. I just feel awkward. I feel uncomfortable with that. I just can I kind of wrap this up now? Would that be okay? Whatever. Could I ask Seth and Sister Keyboard? I forgot her name. Sister Keyboard player. Is she here? Could Seth and Sister Keyboard come? Come on. Come on, Sister Keyboard player. Ha <laughs> ha. Hi, Gabby. Hi, Gabby. I want to help you up the stairs, Gabby.